I, I grew up with this with this thinking of like, okay, life fucking sucks. Like, like if it's like that, why would I want to deal with that shit and be miserable sober when I could fucking be miserable high, you know? And then when when I got sober, you know, it's like that's why I say it's it's such a trick to me because what I've been wanting, like a dream that I had that seemed so far fetched because I'm just this little fat white boy that lived in Connecticut and I had this dream when I was 12. This it was just such a far fetched thing. And it just didn't seem possible. And then when the, the addiction came into play, like I said, the, the, the dream went out the window, you know, and then and then all of a sudden when I had that spiritual experience and then I I, the, I literally I let go of the wheel and I let other people control it, then it falls on my lap. You know, it's yeah, that was your bottom. You know, yeah. your bottom wasn't being homeless in Connecticut. Yeah. Yeah. You know, your yeah. bottom was actually asking for help. You know, yeah. I talk about it at nauseum. Um, but like, I, I personally, I always say all of our bottoms are the same. Our, our bottom is the day that you surrender and you're like, welcome to the show, Vinny. Yeah. Thanks man. Thanks for having me. Dude. It's so cool that like, I get to sit down and talk to you because like, I always saw you around back in the day when I was living in LA. And then I saw you recently pop up on dopey with doing daily reflections and shit. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, you know what? I don't I don't know his story. You know, like I saw you around and I think we would go to a couple of places, the same places, you know, as each other. But we, we didn't know each other at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. And I was like, oh, shit, he's on Dopey. I got to hit him up and see if he wants to do my show now. Yeah. So thanks yeah. for coming on, dude. I appreciate it. Uh, what's, yeah. your, what's your sober date, Ben? February 10th, 2018. So I'm coming up on four years. Shit, dude. Congrats, man. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So, yeah, when I was when I saw you around then, I was you were like three, four months sober then because I got to L.A. April 25th, 2018. Yeah. So, you know, it was like May when I started rolling around C.A. and shit and I would I would see you around. So that's awesome, dude. Okay, so what was going on for you February 9th, 2018? (laughs) Um, Fuck, dude. So, I mean, we could. Uh, it's a super long story, but I'll try to uh, to get the most important points in uh, in the shortest amount of time possible. But I'm originally I'm originally from Connecticut, and uh, I, I I was shooting dope for a very long time. Uh, and the last like two three years of it, I was homeless out there. Um, and uh, homeless uh, in New England is no joke in comparison yeah, to LA. Yeah. Like I live like I'm in PA, bro, right now, and I grew up in yeah. Jersey. So like, and I lived in Massachusetts for years. I lived in yeah. Plymouth and middle all around. Mm-hmm. So like I know how those New England winters are, bro. So like what yeah. what part of Connecticut were you? Like the western side or where you on the seaside? No, I was right on the shore. So I I <laughs> I grew up in I grew up in Old Saybrook, uh, but uh after high school when shit kind of started hitting the fan and uh my addiction really got the best of me, I started moving down south the shore a little bit. So like the New Haven area, East Haven. Um and uh, that's where I uh, became homeless for a couple of years. And um, and I, I was, you know, like shit got really bad. I don't want to get too crazy in depth with it. But, you know, it's like the, the typical homeless, uh, no money, no clothes, no nothing. Um, the only thing I care about is shooting dope and scoring my next my next bag to shoot more dope. Um, luckily, I had a, I had a friend who's who's still a very close friend of mine today who um, whenever his dad would. Uh, go to work early in the morning him and his mom would sneak me in the house they they were my using buddies too but they were nice enough to let me come in the house shower eat um, get some warmth 
Yeah, get some warmth and uh, and get and have a house to get high in, you know. And um, and then uh, one night, uh, a buddy of mine or uh, a, a past buddy of mine, um, who I used to get high with a long time ago, he came out here to LA to get sober like six years prior, and he ended up getting sober and found out that I was struggling somehow and um, somehow got my number because even when I was homeless, I still had one of those Obama phones. You know, so somehow found my number and uh, got a hold of me and was like, hey, man, if you want to get sober, I'll fly you out to I'll fly out to L.A. And uh, the, the only thing that was like going through my mind when he offered that was like, it's oh, it's easier to be homeless in L.A. than it is to be on the East Coast. Like, I don't like. Yeah, I'll take advantage of your money to buy me a flight. I will go to your rehab. I don't, like I don't really care if you're making money or whatever. Like I'll go to your rehab for a little bit, and then eventually I had no intentions of staying sober. Oh, was you he know? a broker? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. um, and but when when that happened, I didn't know about brokering at the time, you know. Neither, like, neither did I. Yeah. So so I, I was like, fuck it, yeah. So I took his flight. He put me in a rehab in Anaheim, um, and I was there for a few weeks before I ended up getting kicked out, and I made my way to Newport Beach. And I was just, uh, I was homeless on Newport for a little bit. And I just was making my, uh, slowly making my way north. And uh, I ended up on Skid Row for a few months. And then, um, and then I was like in and out of treatment. You know, I was, I, my mom was still paying for my private insurance at the time. So I think I, I was just like 20, I was 30 or 29 or something. So my mom was still paying for my insurance. So I was taking advantage of that, you know, just using that for like, a bed to sleep in, some food to eat for a little bit, and then just go right back out. And then, um, and you know, I, I, it was like a, it, you, you know how the fucking it's a vicious cycle. You go in, you come oh, out. You go in, that's you come the name out. of the game. My roommate, yeah. you know, I was I was very confused at one point when I got into treatment and I'm kicking, you know, oxy's and all that shit. And my roommate's like, oh yeah, my DOC is heroin. I'm not taking subs or anything. He's never withdrawn a day the entire time we're there. And yeah. then I come to find out it's because he only ever leaves rehab, gets high once, and then pisses dirty and then goes back into rehab yeah. again and has yeah. Yeah. food. Yeah. So, like, I get it. You know, it's yeah. just the name of the game. You know, he wasn't yeah. from L.A. He just ended up there, didn't want to go back to his hometown because he had warrants waiting for him. Yeah. So you just stay in the system and they can't touch you with the other system. Exactly. You know, you know? I, I was I was uh, luckily lucky to the point where like I didn't have any court shit hanging over my head. Um, I just had no intentions of getting sober. I, I had I, like I literally accepted that this was going to be my life. So when you come into acceptance of something like that, you really don't give a fuck what happens. You no. know, so, so I was I was going in and out. I was going back to Skid Row, going in and out, going back to Skid Row. And uh, eventually I was in this sober living um, in Playa and uh me and a couple guys had this whole idea that we we're gonna use the, the 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 food card that they give us to to um, go buy a little bit of food and then get Ubers with it and then and uh, uh, and then just leave and go get high. And we were we were waiting out front for our Uber and the management came out front, found out what we were doing. They allowed them to go back in, but kicked me out. So I was I was I was like oh, fuck it, I, like I'm, I'm gonna go get high by myself. And then um, while I was waiting for the Uber, that, that's when I had what I call my uh, my first spiritual experience before even doing the steps or anything like that, is I, I had uh, I had this very vivid whisper of my um, my fucking one of my best friends who passed away from an overdose like four years before that. And uh, he the, the, the whisper is enough is enough. 
you got to stop. I was 30 years old, you know. And um, so when I when I had that whisper, I called the program director of the IOP that I was going to. And I was just like, listen, give me one more chance. Still in my mind, I didn't I, I didn't think I was ready to stop using, you know, but that whisper made me call the program director. So he put me in the, in the house that I eventually got sober at um, designed for recovery. And um, that's where I met my now best friend and uh, roommate and I work with them. We filmed together, uh, Zach. And um, and we just we just clicked, you know, we, we, we clicked very like as soon as I got there, we clicked. We're into the same shit. I knew who he was because he had a he had a big online presence and um, and I was a fan already, you know, and uh, um, we were into the same shit and he needed a camera guy. And I have experience with with uh, with cameras because I, I grew up filming skateboarding and the oh, okay, pretty cool. same. Yeah, pretty much the same yeah. shit that we do now, just dumb shit, you know? Well, just no wonder why you were a fan of them. You were already into this. You were already yeah. into it. You know what I mean? You were yeah. already into skateboarding, so why wouldn't yeah. you be into it? And obviously, I, you're yeah. into filmography, because I see this shit behind you, because that's yeah. what I'm into, too. You know, you don't just get into podcasting just for the fun of it. Yeah. You know, I yeah. enjoy the nerdy side of the behind the scenes of yeah. all the editing process and having fun and finding new ways to fuck around. Like, yeah. that's my way of being creative now. Like, I did stand-up comedy and addiction. And, you know, when I got sober, I, I started talking a lot of meetings. Shit, you probably even heard me talk at meetings because I talked so much. But that mm-hmm. was my way of practicing in front of a crowd again. Totally, yeah. Um, but I did stand up once in sobriety, and then, like, it didn't feel right. And then, like, I ended up relapsing with alcohol anyway a couple months later. So now I'm, like, taking my time into it. And now I just, for me, this is my stand-up comedy now. This is yeah. my chance to, like... Yeah. find some lightness in our dark and make people laugh about our histories because you know how it is bro we laugh at our history now the further you get from something the easier it is to laugh at it oh, for sure but yeah. there's so many people that they don't tell their story and i get them on the show and it's their first time telling it and i get them laughing about it and i get yeah. them you know feeling okay and not feeling as bad yeah. like it's so it's so important to look at your history and laugh because you yeah. can't change it yeah. literally you can't do shit about it but laugh yeah, that's the ridiculousness that it was your life. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, it's a, uh, it, I, like what we do. You know, uh, this has always been my passion ever since uh, maybe eleven years old. Um, when I when I uh, discovered skateboarding and and then especially what, when Jackass came out in two thousand. Oh yeah, uh, dude, you were yeah, the same age. That shit was huge in the nineties. Yeah, 90s, it was. Right? It was what I, it was like what I dreamed of doing. You know, uh, just filming skateboarding. Um, Did you see and, Jonah Hill's movie? Uh, which one? Mid nineties. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So good. Yeah, that was yeah. my life, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. And and so I, it's crazy because like the people who we work with and who I'm friends with now, I've I've had posters on my walls growing up, you know. Yeah. So it's it's it all happened because I got sober. So it's a trip, you know. And and um, I would study. I like I, these these skate videos that I watch over and over and over again. I would study them. I, I wouldn't watch it because I, I, yeah, I love the skateboarding tricks and the and the culture behind it, but I love the how it's put together and how it's made and what ca- what kind of cameras they use and what angles they get and look at the lighting and the sound and all that shit. That that made me enjoy it even more than the actual entertainment behind it, right? Yeah. So, right so- now, my wife's watching this laughing because this is all the nerdy shit that I point out in movies that she yeah. eventually now points out to me yeah. like <laughs> like stuff that nobody else looks at yeah. she's now pointing out to me because she knows that's like my nerd side that i need yeah. to feed me so yeah. yeah that's like and and to get that kind of bond you know to go from like you're hopping around treatment center to treatment center and to all of a sudden to to get a friendship and a bond with someone mm-hmm. you know you guys you're in a thick of it together 
you know, yeah. and you're going to do yeah. this together and you're going to have the same kind of goals. And that's yeah. what it's really all about early in sobriety is like finding somebody else you can connect with and yeah. go through it together. Get a sponsor. Yeah. Somebody yeah. who has experience. But you had that you have to have people to meeting hop with. Exactly. To go, to go around and fuck around. You guys were always having that's what I was saying. Like yeah. when we first started talking, you guys were always having fun in the parking lots, doing yeah. crazy shit, weird yeah. shit, recording shit. Yeah. So but, it's so for me, I can I consider myself very lucky, right? Because what I love to do, my passion, what I what I've dreamt about doing ever since I was eleven years old, it fell on my lap. Early sobriety. Right. Just a couple months in fell on my lap. Um, I didn't come to L.A. looking for it. I didn't go to I, I didn't come out here to look for what I wanted to do. I came out here looking because it was better weather to be homeless in. Right. So it's like so this shit literally fucking fell on my lap. And it's uh, and yeah, of, of course, I, I'm I'm totally with going to meetings and I'm totally with doing the steps and getting a sponsor and, and finding a fellowship. But what's more, what was most important to me was uh, was finding your purpose. Right. It's like something to, to 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 make sure that you wake up every morning and have a fucking purpose. That's yeah, what's most important to me. And um, yeah, well, we're, we're still addicts, bro. We're yeah. still addicts. That's the yeah. thing, you know, and I was telling my mom this earlier. She, you know, because she knows that I spend like 90 hours a week in my studio. And I was like, mom, I just obsess. I'm an obsessive person. Yeah. So whether I'm addicted to trying to find money to get drugs and get high all day, or whether I'm addicted to just like <laughs> connecting with people and putting yeah. out stories, either way, it's an obsession. Anything I do, I'm going to obsess <clears throat> over it, especially yeah. if I love it and I find meaning in it and I find fulfillment in it. I'm going to obsess over it crazy. Yeah. So it's just what happens. I'm the, I'm the same way, dude. I'm the same way. It's, it, it was literally like, because th this, what we do, you know, like I said, it was my passion ever since I was young. When I started to get into, uh, when my addiction really got a hold of me for fucking 10 years, time flies, you know, one, one day I'm fucking 20 years old traveling and going to college parties. The ne next thing you know, I'm fucking 26 years old, homeless in Vermont. You know what I mean? And and then like the, the passion and the dream eventually slowly goes out the window and you see, and you tend to forget about it. Right. Yeah. And um, and then so when this happened to me, I was like, holy shit, like like three months after meeting Zach, you know, uh, he, he, he wanted me to film a video for him and um, to just to see how I did on with with the cameras and everything. And um, that video did very well. And all my heroes were. Uh, and, and idols and heroes and people that I've looked up to my whole life are like seeing this video, commenting, sharing, liking, and, 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 and it had my name attached to it. So I'm like, holy fuck, like this is crazy. And then just a couple months later, like we're going to Chicago to film promos for the TV show that he had on MTV, you know, and, um, and I'm, I'm fucking four months sober at the time, fresh off the streets, you yeah. know? So it's like the whole thing is just, it was just mind blowing to me. And then like, it, it was like a snowball effect, you know, it was like, dude, all this shit that has happened to me that I like this crazy life that I have happened to me while I was in sober living. I just left sober living. It was a year. I was, I have been gone from sober living. It was a year, December 10th of 2021. So just a month ago. Oh I, shit. I was, in, I was in sober living for three years, you know? Well, so you every, were a house manager, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, so yeah. I was, I was a client for nine months I was a driver for like two months. I was house manager for like a year and a half. 
And then I was operations manager for like six months. And then I, I was program director. Um, well, yeah, you and Zach were basically me and Jace mm-hmm. and, and who ended up with you. Yeah. You know, and was, him and I went to all the and he's supposed to be on too soon. I just talked to him last night. He's moving yeah. to Oregon again. Um, but he's doing really good, luckily. Yeah. Like uh, it's you know, because it was up and down early on. Yeah. And yeah. that's the, that's the thing is, you know, you were with Zach and you guys were both staying good. And then I'm freaking out trying to keep him good, <laughs> you know, because he got yeah. me when I got into rehab, bro, it was my first time in rehab ever. And yeah. I was coming from Jersey. I don't know what the fuck to expect. Yeah. And, you know, Jace is like six, seven years younger than me, but he took me under his wing. And because yeah. he had been brokered all over L.A. as yeah. in treatment. Yeah, so yeah. he knew the deal. We played horse all day long. We fucked around, played basketball and we talked. And that's where I got that like bond that like I was looking for. And eventually I got that bond with other people, too, that are still sober to this day. You know, um, especially from L.A. When I when I relapsed, they were still there for me. Yeah, you know, I had my relapse. They were all still in my corner and let me know if you need anything, you know. And then um, when I started this up was like in May of this year. My, I have a meeting center where I live. Yeah. And we, we do AA, NA, mental health meetings, trauma, all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was right around the time. Do you know Jules Muck? Yeah, of course. She's, okay. from, she's from Connecticut, where I'm from. Well, she lived in Connecticut. Well, yeah, she's yeah, yeah, yeah. That's her, and that's her, and we know yeah. the bunnies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was um she was in my studio back in October because she was drive every time she drives through PA, she stops here to drive off the highway and she crashes before she goes to New York. Yeah. So that's one of my sober buddies that yeah. still to this day. I'm about to interview her and Kyle for my couples episodes for February. Is so, she still with Kyle? They're engaged now, bro. Yeah. Oh, wow, that's awesome. I, I was in, I was in IOP with Kyle. <laughs> Dude, it's such a small world. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's doing all this shit. They just got a house in like Santa something, but Good it's not. That, dude. Yeah, dude. and he's redoing a studio for. It. Yeah, they're fucking killing. They have muck. I remember. I remember when he got the the neck, uh, the 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 bunny tattoo on his neck. Yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I, I remember that shit. Oh, yeah, I was with Kyle when he got, like, this ghost on his hand that got all fucked up. Yeah, and, like, yeah, everyone yeah. was so pissed at me because she would give me perfect tattoos in her front yard. And then <laughs> everybody else, she would fuck up. Like, <laughs> everyone would be cursing at me in her story. Yeah. Like, fuck you, JD, you took all the talent ones. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, but that's the kind of recovery I needed was just some fuck around in a front yard in Venice and do some tattoos. Yeah. Like, you get it. Like, yeah. did you get most of yours before or after? Um, after I got sober. So, um, yeah. it like the first like year, the first like year in, in sober living, I got like some small ones here and there. Um, and uh, like growing up, I always wanted to be tatted. Right. But, yeah, um, drawing on yourself and shit yeah, all the time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then like the first year I'd get like some small ones here and there, but then like I started getting hit up by, uh, like tattoo artists and, and, um, this one dude, um, he was just, he was a fan of our stuff. And he was just like, hey, man, come come down. I'll fucking tattoo you all you, all you want. So I was just like, fuck yeah. So he so he's done like 90% of my body. And uh, I, like, I'm, I'm so grateful and so blessed. Like, I don't like, of course I pay him. Like, I don't yeah. have to, you know? And yeah, then, tips. Um, yeah, and then like, I have this other guy, um, Interstate Inc. Uh, his name's Church. It's a sober tattoo shop. And they're, they're all in recovery. Most of their clients are all in recovery. And I'm actually, I'm producing his podcast right now. And, um, I was living in Texas earlier this year for a few months and Austin. 
Um, no, I was in Corpus Christi. Everybody else was in Austin. From yeah, LA, so yeah. I figured him would guess that first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then uh, I, I came, I, I took a road trip here to LA to film with some people. And um, I guess uh, the, the, the shop was following me on Instagram. And he's like, they're like, oh, you're in town. Come by the shop. We'll tattoo you. So I was like, all right, cool. So I started building a relationship with them. And uh, they're the ones that tattooed uh, the portrait of Zach on my shoulder. And then, um, yeah, and then we, we built this really good relationship. And um, we ju- they just started a podcast that I'm producing. And, What's the uh, name of it? You can plug it. Yeah, it's uh, uh, Broken Crans. Broken oh. Crans. Uh, it's not, it's, it won't be out for, for a while. We just okay. started filming recently. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's cool. It's like, the, it's like uh, I, I produce a lot of people's podcasts out here. And uh, this one's a little bit different because it's like they're getting tattooed while podcasting. That's awesome. Yeah. That yeah. is so, so cool. Uh, yeah, we, we sat down, had a long creative meeting on how how it, sh- how it should go and what kind of people we should interview. and um, Make and sure they're picking tattoos that are under an hour and not yeah, like a back yeah, piece. Yeah, exa- exactly. Free party it's, it's, it's crazy because the first episode that we filmed, like the guy was getting it done on his calf. So I had to really adapt to uh, the the room on how, uh, like how I would get the right angles with this guy being on his stomach oh, and stomach. like yeah, you know so yeah, yeah. awkward yeah yeah right. so yeah. it's been a learning experience for this one but because like every other podcast that I do it's just like a normal like a like a show style like you're at a desk you have mics you know and um, so but it's it's been fun for sure. Yeah, I think that's awesome, though, to find to tap into your creative side. For me, it's like being a puzzle. You know, I help other people that are sober with their podcasts that are trying to have one. You know, it, I tell yeah. off the bat, listen, it's consistency and it's tough and it's not easy. Bro, don't look at the numbers, yeah. you know, like, don't get caught up it's in numbers. Some of, out of everything that, that I do, podcasting is, it's, it's a lot of fucking work, dude. It's, uh, I didn't even know I was... I enjoyed podcasting this much. I, the first time I started working with one was with, uh, um, Andy Roy. Um, uh, uh, I don't, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he had a podcast. He's like a legendary skateboarder from like late nineties, early two thousands. Okay. And, um, and we, and it was the first like big podcast that I did. Like we had guests like Bam on, Danny Way was on, Wee Man was on, Brandon Novak was on, like I had all these big guests and I was filming. I, I was pretty much uh, producing at the time. And then, um, and then I stopped doing podcasts for a while and I didn't really like listening to podcasts for a while, but then I, I really started getting into it, uh, getting into listening to podcasts early, like early, early 2021. And then, um, and then I, I moved to Texas and I started my own podcast and the dude, it's like the consistency is gnarly. The, the, the amount of work that you put into is gnarly. I dropped like 10 grand on like art and fucking and, and equipment and because my my addict mind is i have to have the best of everything you know what i mean like yeah like, i gotta get the sure mics and i gotta get this exactly and I gotta get that exactly I gotta get the sony cams and yeah, the mouth exactly. yeah. so it's like I, so I oh i had that i had that cart bro i just couldn't afford that cart. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah i, I mean I, i've been i've been blessed enough to uh where I'm, i i could be in the position to do that kind of dumb thing but um but yeah dude it's a lot of work and then I came when I came back to LA because uh, um, Zach called me when I was down there and he's like, Hey, we want to do another show and we want you to be in it. And I was just like, all right, fuck it. It looks like I'm coming back to LA, you know? And, um, and that's when I realized that LA is the place for me. You know, um, I thought I was ready to, you know, cause I was in a sober living for fuck. I was living in the garage of a sober living for three years. I'm 30. Now I'm 34. I thought what I wanted was 
peace and quiet. And like, I wanted to, my reason for going down to Texas was I was going to buy a ranch and I was looking at, I was renting down there while I was looking at property. And, um, I thought I wanted that. I thought I wanted to be able to have my own piece of land, do whatever the fuck I want. Piece but, of uh, Adrian yeah. Greener did from Entourage. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, he literally has a fucking ranch in Texas now, yeah, and he posts yeah. about it all the time. Like, you know, yeah. oh shit, his name's Vinny too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, so I, I thought that's what I wanted, um, but I I love what we do too much, and I I feel like especially right now, my career in entertainment is just starting. Like, yeah, the last three years I've done a lot of fucking cool shit and worked with a lot of cool people. But I really wasn't – I was more behind the scenes, and I, I, I made money, but not that much money. Um, but right now, it's, like, starting to really blow the fuck up. And um, so I, I was like, you know what? Fuck it, dude. I, I'm willing to pay $5 a gallon for gas. I'm willing to pay a fucking a $3,500 $5 mortgage payment, you know? Like, I'm willing to do that, you know, um, just because I love it so much. And um, so when I got back out to L.A., it was just by word of mouth, you know, people, um, people uh, like saying, oh, this Vinny's good at doing this. He's doing good at this. And then I, I started doing this podcast for a dot, like a, um, she's a nutritionist for the celebrities. And I started doing her podcast and it's very fun when, when you're producing a, like a, a good podcast, it's very lucrative. So I, I was making really fucking good money and I like doing it and I like production. So I started thinking, I was like, I have, like, I have like a lot of celebrity friends and like people that like, like, like doing entertainment. So I started making calls to all these other people being like, Hey, you, you have a cool background. you you have a lot of cool friends. Have you ever thought about doing a podcast? And everybody's been like, yeah, dude, I've been thinking of that for so long. And I was like, well, this is what I do. So I, I started my own business. I started a, a, a production company with my, with my partner and best friend. And he's also my manager. And, um, and we started our own production company and I started, now I produce, three people's podcast right now. And, uh, and then me and Zach are, are, are doing something soon. And, um, and it's, it's, it's been treating us very fucking good. That, and I, and that's like my side stuff, you know, that's not even like my main, my main stuff that I'm doing. Yeah, and, sure. um, and it's crazy. It's, it's, this is the worst excuse for not hitting meetings and not being like uh, emerged in the program and stuff is like, Oh, I'm too busy or, Oh, I'm doing that. But that's, what's been happening, you know? And, it's the worst fucking excuse. And I'm not, and I, like I said, I, I'm not like, oh, you have to hit meetings or you have to fucking do step work. Or you have to call your sponsor. I'm not that kind of person, but I feel like after a long time has passed of me not being in the fellowship, small behaviors start to pop out. That in reminds other places. At yes. other places. Though. Yes. Yes. So then I have to reel myself back and be like, okay, okay, let me get back to it. You know? um but well, I, I but this is a meeting bro this is yeah, a meeting yeah, you yeah. know what i mean so that's the thing is you're surrounding yourself you know pe people always say you're the average of the five you're always around right you know so you're around people that are sober that have like-minded goals and aren't thinking about getting fucked up all day yeah. and that's the biggest change is what that's why you went to rehab that's yeah. why you did the steps that's why you went into the program was to learn how to live a life beyond your wildest dreams yeah you know yeah. So I wouldn't get caught up in because you're still surrounding yourself. It's not like you're hanging around with people that are 
You just mentioned Brandon Novak. I mean, that dude's doing amazing fucking things yeah. in Delaware right now. Yeah, yeah. You know, because that's kind of my area. You know, I grew yeah. up a half an hour from that area in Delaware. I grew up right outside uh, of Canton. And um, they're, I think he just opened, what, his third sober living? Or his something? second. Yeah, his second yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. Because the other one was doing so well. Like, that right there alone just goes to show, tell me that you are still active in your recovery. Just if you're not hitting meetings, you're not hitting meetings. No, totally. You know? I, I agree with that. Um, it's just like, for like for example, right? It's like my birthday was in October. And the day, my birthday, I fucking woke up and something happened to my back. And I couldn't, I, I, I couldn't stand up straight. I couldn't walk. I was in so much fucking pain. And the, the first thought was like I, the, the girl that I was seeing at the time, she was a normie and she had like a bottle of tramadol left over from a car accident that she got into. And my first thought was like, oh shit, I have to go on a helicopter ride today. I want to be okay. I want to be able to enjoy this. So let me just take a tramadol. And it's, it's like the conveniency of it, you know? So it's like those, those kind of behaviors, like that's a, that's a kind of behavior that I like, like want to stay far away from like, Oh, just because it's convenient for me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I since I've been sober, I've been hurt a lot, especially with what we do. You know? Yeah, I was gonna say you guys literally hurt yourselves for a fucking yeah. living. <laughs> yeah, and and then I, I I look at I look at like like a hero of mine, Stevo. You know, like he's he's gotten some gnarly shit, and he's he's been sober for 13 years. He's gone some through some gnarly fucking injuries. What, and what did he first. have? Like 13 screws in his ankle that he took ibuprofen yeah. for? Like, yeah, exactly. I, I watched all his videos too. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, especially because he's sober, but you know, and here's shit, but he posted that video a couple months ago where he did like his top 10 most, like the craziest injuries he's had. Yeah. yeah. And he talked about that one. He goes, because I'm a sober dude and I only need Advil, yeah. you know, and that told me everything I needed to know about mind over matter yeah. just in that right there. Yeah. Like I was like, dude, if Steve-O, and I know he's taken a lot of hits, but so have I, yeah. you know, if Steve-O can just be like, yeah, put those screws in my ankle. I was going to pop some aspirin. I'll be fine. Yeah. Then literally. You know, when I had my I had surgery back in June, I had my gallbladder out because I fucked up everything from all the like oxys over the years. Yeah. I was starting a file daily. So I lost all stomach tissue, gallbladder function. And three years into being, you know, away from pills, I had to get it taken out. Yeah. And um, well, COVID really slowed things up for a year. It should have got taken out last summer. Yeah. But they, they gave me they gave me fentanyl when I was under and I told them not to. I said, yeah. I'm a drug addict. Do not give me anything. Yeah. And I woke up and I was like, I am really high right now. And the nurse is like, no, it's just anesthesia, honey. I said, no, this is not anesthesia. I know this high. Yeah. And then the doctor's like, oh, yeah, we had to shoot him twice with fentanyl and once with the law because he looked uncomfortable. I'm like, dude, you know what's going to happen to me? He's like, you're going to be fine. You haven't touched opiates in years. I said, you don't know that. Yeah. And it's outpatient surgery. I get into the parking lot, immediately start throwing up bile again. I was yeah. thrown up, withdrawn for 18 straight hours, bro. Yeah. Like that was a freebie, obviously, oh, because yeah. I was under when they when they did shot me. Yeah. Um, I told them not to. Yeah. But still, yeah. that was a great reminder of like I never even fucked with fentanyl when I was out there, but that was a great reminder of it is not what I want. No. Like yeah. it's not the feeling I want anymore. It's not how to escape anymore. Like you know. And you know how it is. You get some bad news. Like, how do you get through some bad shit now being sober compared to before? Before, we would run straight to the drug, right? You hear yeah. something even bad like, oh, the fucking Patriots lost. I'm going to go get as high as possible. This episode yeah. is sponsored by MJ's Progress Not Perfection Meeting Center Association. We are in our meeting center where we do all these meetings for mental health and addiction. 
I can do this podcast anywhere. I can do this at home. I can do this in a closet. I can do this in a basement. It doesn't matter. All I need is somebody else to talk to about addiction and recovery. What I can't do from anywhere is help people with their addiction and their mental health problems. So if you can help out, you know, we do have a Venmo, we have a Cash App, we have a PayPal, we have an address you can send a check to. And, you know, all the money that gets donated goes towards rent, goes towards keeping the lights on, and goes towards keeping the internet on. So please, you know, if you can get five bucks, 10 bucks, 20 bucks, it doesn't matter. Anything you can is so appreciated. And if you are a local business, if you're a national business, whatever, and you want to be a part of what we're doing, you know, you can reach out to me and we can talk about how you can be a sponsor. But I'll let you get back to the episode. Yeah, so, you know, how do you deal with like horrible news now? So, um, like you kind of, uh, okay, so... When I so in my, in my addiction when I was using, I would just use those situations like bad news situations as excuses to get high, yeah. right? Like you kind of just said it, like oh the Patriots lost, let me go get high. But guess what? They won. You're gonna say oh they won, I'm gonna get high. Exactly. No, exactly. <laughs> so like I I would just like justify it in my head um, that like it, it's not it's not because I like it might have a little to do with like like. Uh, numbing the emotion, the emotional pain. But I don't even think, for me personally, I don't even think it was that. I, I just love the feeling of getting high so much that I would just use any excuse to use the substance. You know, like, uh, and- When did you start I, using though? Um, I started using opiates when I was 21. Um, Dude, we started at the same time, 2008. Yeah, something something like that, yeah. When's your birthday? Cause October, uh, mine's October 17th, 87. Okay, yeah, I was September 29th, 86. Yeah. And I got into opiates October of 2008 when I was 22. Mm-hmm. And because alcohol stopped working. And yeah. somebody's like, hey, I got some bananas, which were perk 10s. Yeah. And yeah. so I popped two, and it was off to the yeah. fucking races for nine and a half years. Yeah, so for, for me, it was like, I, I obviously started, like everyone else, smoking weed and drinking at like, maybe like 15. Um, my, mo- my mom's a, a heroin addict, an ex-heroin addict, um, and uh, pretty much uh, like 90% of my family have some sort of alcoholism or drug addiction. And um, my father died when I was two. He got hit by a drunk driver when he was on his Harley. So it was just me and my mom growing up. And my mom was an addict. And um, she quit using when I was 10. But she got on the uh, methadone program. And she's been on the methadone program since. She's still on it to this day. And um, so and me and my mom had this really close relationship, more of best friends than mother and son. And um, so when I started, I started smoking weed and drinking behind her back um, because I thought she'd be mad. But then I felt bad because I was I didn't tell her because I tell her everything. So when I did tell her that I tried smoking weed and drinking for the first time, she was totally cool with it. She was just like, hey, as long as you're not putting anything in your arms or up your nose, then cool. You know, and I took that and ran with it. And um I, I, next thing you know, I'm smoking with her. I'm, I'm eating LSD with her. I'm eating ecstasy with her, you know, it's, um, and then like, she was one of my biggest enablers for sure, but I, I manipulated myself to be that situation. Well, yeah. And you're an only child, right? Yeah. Well, I I have an older sister, but she wasn't in our lives for a long time. Um, and, uh, and and, yeah. And then, then I grew up with her, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was just most 90% of the time it was me and her. You know, and then high school was high school was good. You know, I, I had decent grades. Um, and then after high school, you know, I, I took a year off before I went back, tried going to college. And um, that's when we um, 
me and my buddies would travel all around and go to the colleges that all of our best friends would want go to and we would go and party with them and then we would travel around and follow fish we would follow fucking uh you know um oh, i remember the mid 2000s yeah exactly <laughs> you know, and we, we would go to these festivals and like nitrous played a big part of my life around that time and um ecstasy was a big part molly was a big part you know and um, and then the first time I tried opiate, an opiate was, and I, I made a promise to myself to, cause I saw what it did to my mom. I saw what it did to my uncle. I saw what it did to so many people that I made a promise to myself never to fuck with that shit. And then, uh, next thing you know, I, I had surgery in my mouth and, um, and somebody, well, one of my friends was selling perks at the time. and was like, Hey man, just eat one of these. You'll be fine. Like the pain will be gone. So I ate one and I fell and I, I fell in love with it. I fell in love with the feeling it gave me. And then it was just like, it was like a slow progression. You know, I'm, I'm, I was the kind of dudes who planned my week. I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to have one Percocet and smoke two blunts every Thursday night when Robin, uh, when Fantasy Factory came on, you know, the new episode of the Fantasy Factory, I would have a, a, like a perk and a blunt, you know, it's like, and, uh, and then like, then it was a progression from that. Then I started smoking them. And then when I started smoking them, then Xanax comes into the picture and then, and then just a few years later, I'm shooting dope and I had, I had it all, you know, when I turned 18, I got a lot of money from my father passing. So I had, I had it all, you know, and then next thing you know, I'm 23 years old and I'm broke and I have nothing. And next thing you know, my mom's kicking me out of the house. Next thing you know, I'm fucking selling. The only thing I have left was my car. I traded my car to my drug dealer for two ounces of crack and, a, and like a hundred per thirties, you know, it's like, then I have nothing and then I'm fucking homeless and that I have, I'm sleeping on park benches and the, the last two years of my, my addiction in Connecticut, I was sleeping in a porta potty, you know, it's, uh, um, it was a very quick progression that when that hit, it was a very quick progression. Yeah. And, uh, I, and make sure, I was definitely watching fantasy factory and getting high as shit every Thursday night too, though, in 2000, yeah. like yeah. that shit. Cause it would always make me laugh. And, but yeah. it was it was always a ritual though. We would go to you know I had my own place, but yeah, we would hang out in my one buddy's bedroom. Yeah, and that's where we would just get high. We you know that's when we discovered blues instead of the the tens. Like yeah. oh, we can break this up and snort it. What yeah. you yeah. know like I learned we- how to smoke it. I learned how to smoke thirties from MTV True Life. I'm an addict. The dude yeah, I, I, the I dude all that smoking them, and I was yeah. like, oh shit, you could smoke them. So that I I was more addicted to the act of smoking it. And the taste of it, then I would, you know, it was. You know, what's just funny awesome. is I never smoked them because I was so addicted to sniffing them. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's, it's it's that you get like that ritual, you know, yeah. and everyone has like a certain ritual. You have your favorite thing yeah. that you use with, whether it's a straw or whether it's a method or whatever. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you get addicted to that. And it's just like second nature to roll out of bed and grab your straw, bend it in half, and drop a pill in and go. Yeah. Like, you know, and that's the and, and also then getting sober, it's the fear of what do I do without my rituals, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's a huge fear because yeah. then then your imagination's fucking with you and telling you all these lies about what you think might happen when you get sober. How boring your yeah. and look at you now, how boring that's, your life could be. So that was so like that was one of the biggest things that, that scared me into getting sober. It was my my fucked up way of thinking was if if my life, if I'm going to be miserable sober, I might as well be miserable high. If that makes any sense, you know, yeah. because I like my mom, my mom's a sick person, you know, like she's a little fucked up in the head. You know, she, her perceptive of life is a lot different than mine today. Um, so I, I grew up with her saying life is fucked. 
people are going to fuck you. You don't trust anybody. Uh, you look out for yourself and that's it. You know what I mean? So I grew up with this, with this thinking of like, okay, life fucking sucks. Like, like if it's like that, why would I want to deal with that shit and be miserable sober when I could fucking be miserable high, you know? And then when, when I got sober, you know, it's like, that's why I say it's, it's such a trick to me because what I've been wanting, like a dream that I had that seemed so far fetched because I'm just this little fat white boy that lived in Connecticut. And I had this dream when I was 12, this, it was just such a far fetched thing. And it just didn't seem possible. And then when the, the addiction came into play, like I said, the, the, the dream went out the window, you know? And then, and then all of a sudden, when I had that spiritual experience, and then I, I, the, I literally, I let go of the wheel and I let other people control it. Then it falls on my lap. You know, it's- Yeah, that was your bottom. You know, yeah. your bottom wasn't being homeless in Connecticut. Yeah, yeah, you know, Your yeah. bottom was actually asking for help. You know, yes. I talk about it at nauseum. Um, but like, I, I personally, I always say all of our bottoms are the same. Our, our bottom is the day that you surrender and you're like, I give up. Tell me yeah. how to do this differently. People yeah. are nine months sober, white, white knuckle in it yeah. that they haven't hit their bottom yet because they still think they know better than everybody else. Yeah. 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 You know? And I, so I, I agree with that. Yeah. You know, I think we all have different lows. We yeah. have different bump, speed bumps and lows along. And my the low did keep getting lower for sure. You know, like, I, I, cause I can remember telling myself, okay, I would never be homeless or, okay, I would never share a needle or I, like, I, it was these lines that I would create that I would tell myself that I would never cross these lines. And the next thing you know, I'm pushing that line even farther, you know? And, um, yeah, man, it's, I, I, like I said, dude, I consider myself very lucky, you know, because of what, what fell on my lap. How things turned out for you, one thing led to the other, led to the yeah. other, led to the yeah. other. But like, but it was the opposite progression. You have yeah. a history of progression, bro. Like yeah. whether it's going to progress bad or progress yeah. good, as long as you're in the right mindset or if you're in a bad mindset, it's going to yeah. go either way, it sounds like. Totally, totally, yeah. And and to answer your question from a little bit ago about like what, what do I do when I, when I have bad news or if life's getting a little too hard, you know, it's – the way that I think nowadays is because I surround myself with people who have more than me, spiritually, physically, financially, everything. They have more than me, right? So it makes me want to get on their level, if not surpass, right? And and, and spiritually and emotionally, it is more important to me than financially and physically, right? So it's like, so I when I, when I surround myself with these people, I, like, perfect example, it's like, I always go I, like if I have to make a decision or if I'm going through something. This is corny as fuck, but I always th- I always think, what would Steve-O do? You know what I mean? Because he's somebody that I look up to. My I've looked up to him my whole life, and I'm so grateful that I can call him a friend now and like and, and like hit him and his manager up for advice whenever I need to, whether it has to do with recovery or if it has to do with the entertainment side of things. I'm actually buddies with his manager's brother. Because I met him. Uh, Steve. Steve. I used to go to the comedy store meeting every Saturday, and yeah, Steve yeah, yeah. was the secretary. Yeah, he's and, a great. I love Steve. Yeah, he's hilarious. Like all his his stories are funny as shit. Yeah. Um, his story being on the Mexican Jerry Springer was one of my favorite stories that yeah. I've ever heard him tell. Yeah. Like I listen to that shit all the time. But the comedy store, like that was like, because like I said, I was doing stand up comedy before I got sober. Yeah. So when I got out there, I was like 
I want to be there. Like that was where I want to go and I want to see. I want to sit in the original room. I yeah. want to like smell. Like actually Jason and I went to a show after he relapsed and he was drinking my two drink minimums because he had already relapsed. So I was like, I don't give a shit, dude. You can drink my drink minimums. I don't care. Yeah. So but it was a great night. We saw like Mark Marin, another sober dude. Yeah. You know, but still, like, right there in front of my face. Like, I'm seeing my heroes, like, Sebastian Maniscalco and shit like that. Like, right here, I could, like, you know, like, I'm in yeah. the front row. I grabbed up early. I was early as shit. Yeah. So I know exactly what you mean. I love that, Um, that because Steve talks about how he started working basically where Jackass started um, at the old Hustler building, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's where uh, um, Big Brother started because, uh, uh, well, not started, but Larry Flint bought big brother and uh um that's yeah that's how uh jackass started was like big brother it was like tremaine and uh, tremaine was doing big brother and then they got him on to yeah that's what i've heard him tell the story but yeah yeah so it's it's such a small world when it comes that way but yeah you do exactly what i do is i reach out people who know more than me yeah yeah absolutely and it's like it's I, i totally all the like cliche sayings of the program that I, I hate, I hate the cliche sayings, but I, I hate them because they're so true, you know? And um, it's like, if you work the program, you could live a life behind your, beyond your wildest dreams. Yeah. To you. <laughs> you know, it's like, it, it's, it's, I'm, I'm living proof of that. You know, I, I have dreamt, I've literally dreamt. I've had, I, when I say dreams, I've had literal dreams of doing what I do, you know? And then, uh, and saying that, it's like it made, makes me a firm believer of like manifestation. You know, it's like if, if I continue doing the next right thing and I, I continue to be honest with myself and everybody around me and I continue to be of service every once in a while, I don't have to worry about a fucking thing. Yeah. You know? And and everything that I have manifest, uh, ma- manifested has come to fucking fruition. You know, it's, it's the trippiest fucking thing. I can't explain how. I can't explain why. For the longest time, I, I was, I, I, because of how I mentioned my best friend passed away, he overdosed once and it killed him, right? I have 15 overdoses. And, uh, and a lot of those overdoses, I've ended up in the hospital with, with tubes down my throat. And so it, it became, like, for the, like the first two years of my sobriety, it was, I had, I had like, survivor's guilt. Because this dude, my best friend, he was the sweetest fucking kid. Wouldn't harp, wouldn't hurt a fly. And he was so smart and he was so kind. And he, 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 me, I was a piece of shit. I stole, I fucking robbed. I, I, uh, I hurt my family. I did all these things and I survived 15 overdoses. And now I'm living, I, I'm not just like surviving anymore. Like I'm thriving, thriving, you know? And so it, it made me think like, fuck, why me? You know what I mean? So it took it took a couple years for me to really understand why me, because like like my purpose is to be able to make my story public and and try to get it out there and try to help as many as people as I could, and it's to make people laugh. You know what I mean? It's like it's like I love that shit so fucking much to just like create content that make people laugh. To whether it's a sixty second video or whether it's a show or whether whatever, you know, it's like. Like I've, I've gotten countless DMs of people um, saying like, dude, your story is amazing. You, you, insp- I'm, I'm struggling with addiction and to see somebody like you make it to where you're at now 
it like inspires me and and like I'm and you I'm, keep saying luck, bro. You keep saying you know luck and luck, but really it's the work. It's you put in work, and you also didn't go back to old ways. You wouldn't have this luck if you were still putting a needle in your arm. Absolutely. You know, yeah. so it it is luck, but yeah. you know at the same time, you know you. I say luck. I say luck because how you the way discount it for yourself. Yeah, I, I say I say luck because of the way that it just fell on my lap. I the, the reason I still have it is the work. Like I've busted my ass to get to where I'm at right now. Like to have uh, to have uh, uh, to me for me and Zach to have our own house, to have our own office, production be, company, to have my own production company. That's like my dream busted, from like yeah, a long time. Busted, and the beautiful thing about it is I we me and my partner we called our we named our production company JTR Productions. And JTR are the initials of our friend that passed, you know? And it's like, and then we're opening a sober living next year and we're calling it Randall's house. You know what I mean? So it's like everything that we do, it's like, it has to tie into John, you know, it, it has John? to because yeah, his name, is, his name is John. See that? That's John yeah. Johnson Memorial Studios. Yeah. yeah. You know? So it's like, because I know if John was still here, he would be here with us. Yeah. He, he, he would fucking like, he, it would, he, his mind would be blown to see where we're at right now, you know, because like, like even my, my man or your best friend, he's here, he's, he's from Connecticut, he lives in Connecticut, but he just got in town yesterday for the first time. And like, he could, he could attest. I had these people's pictures on my wall. I had a video camera in my hand the whole time. I knew every line of the Jackass TV show. I knew I could recite every line of the CKY videos. You know what I mean? So it's like to, to go from that to where we're, to where we're at now, it's like John would fucking, he would lose his shit, you know? So that's why I make sure that everything that we do, and I say we because like me, Tom, and, and Zach and everything, like it has to have some part of John in it, you know? And I that's- totally, I love that. Obviously, dude, I'm, I feel this, you know, I reached out to my buddy John's sisters. He has yeah. three of them. He, he didn't die from an overdose, right? It was a car accident. Yeah. But still, like, you know, I want to have his memory live on. I love talking about him. We had some amazing stories together, you know, so that's my way of doing that. But, like, I had m one of my best friends, he overdosed six months into being sober. Him and I got sober at the same time. He went to Florida. I went to L.A. Yeah. Both came back to our areas eventually after six months. He had his he had his relapse and didn't make it from his relapse. Yeah. And all I kept telling myself was he taught me a lesson I didn't want him to teach me. You know what I mean? Is that it's not yeah. getting any better out there. Yeah. You know, and just I have to keep my head down and do what I'm going to do. The last thing I need to do is relapse right now over some shit. That was the last thing Jesse would want. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, like, like, don't get me wrong. Like, my life isn't all peaches and cream and fucking amazing, cool things. And I'm doing amazing shit. It's a big part of it, you know, but it's like, like working in working in treatment, you know, being being um, being like a program director to that. You know, I I. I started to gain these relationships with these guys and you know and there's there were so many instances where like we've had we've had overdoses and deaths in the house and i've had to call the parents and all that shit you know it's like like that kind of thing it's fucking traumatic you yeah. know what i mean like doing that was one of the gnarliest experiences i've ever had to do in my life was to have to call a parent you never, something you never thought you would have to do no, never. you're not going to be a copper in new york you don't have, yeah. to ever, have to expect to give that kind of news to a stranger. yeah yeah and so it's like, yeah, that, that kind of situation is very fucking traumatic. And yeah, it took a lot out of me mentally. And like, um, but I, I just keep reminding myself, you know, it's like, I wouldn't be living the life that I live. I wouldn't have the things that I have. I wouldn't have the relationships that I have with my family if I was to fuck up again. 
you know? Like I, I couldn't agree more. I wouldn't have any I wouldn't have my wife, my yeah. kid, my meeting center, yeah. my podcast that I love. Yeah. I, I would be so disingenuous to get fucking high and then yeah. try to do this podcast. Yeah. That's so, like drunk doing this. I, I like to say, like I because I'm an addict, you know, I like to say that I love getting high more than anything else on this planet, right? But I really think that I love filming and making people laugh for my content more than getting high, you know, because I've, like I said, over and over again, I've dreamt of this shit since I was 10 years old. But when that dream just seemed so far-fetched and went out the window, I didn't, that, it didn't seem like it was ever going to happen. So getting high was the next best thing. You yep. know what I mean? So, so with the laughter thing, that reminds did now, where, did you realize it all when you found your laughter again? Um, because I forgot how to laugh. I was a stand-up uh, comedian that, like, I was intelligent enough. You say something funny, I know, J.D., you have to fucking laugh at that. And then I laugh with my head. But I didn't start belly yeah. laughing again until, until I got sober and actually feel my stomach hurt from laughter. Yeah. Now, now that you mentioned that, you know, like, looking back at, the, like, at the last five years of my using, there wasn't really any laughter. <laughs> you know, there was no fucking laughter. Nothing. I didn't find anything funny. And... If I did, I didn't care about it enough to laugh. Um, it, it, the, the only thing that was filling my head was 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 using. You know, it, it was okay. I'm, I have my drugs now. When I'm out, where and how am I going to get it next? That's that was literally it was just filling my head 24/7, 365. Yep. You know. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, yeah, dude, it was like the first few months of sobriety where like like making videos with Zach and I, and I was just like uh, I was like holy shit, this is this is great. <laughs> You know, like this is, and, and I really didn't. So I started out like I never had the 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 urge to be in front of the camera. I was always filming. Grew up with a camera. I didn't have any need or want to have the fucking limelight, you know. Um, and then like being, with, I, I was Zach's filmer for a long time, and then I and then the the his the show that he had, the crew that was on, I was their filmer, and then. Um, and then some, I, th I think it was a, a, a prank video that Zach pranked me and it went pretty big. And we, we went to Bam's castle and I was getting recognized just for, from getting pranked from that video. And I was like, oh shit, I love attention. <laughs> I, I fucking like that. When that happened, I was like, holy shit, I crave this attention. Like this is like another form of a high, you know? So that's when I was like, okay, let me, let me try out making my own sort of content. You know, and so I started making my own videos here and there and uh, they started to do OK. Like back back then, like I really didn't have the, uh, like my following now isn't that big. But like back then it was way smaller, you know, but they were the videos were doing pretty good and I, they were getting good feedback. And um, so I was like, OK, this is kind of this is kind of fun, you know. And then it was again, it was like a snowball effect. I was like, oh, shit. OK, now I'm working with this person. Oh, shit. Now I'm working with this person. Oh shit, now we're getting invited to fucking Dylan Francis's house. You know, like, oh shit, now we're fucking we're in Chicago. Uh we did uh they did live stunts. We did it in front of Wu in front of five thousand people with Wu Tang. You know, it's like it 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 was just like a fucking snowball effect. It was like one that's, thing after another. That's a random place to hang out with Wu Tang now, Chicago. You're like yeah, I think well, of Wu Tang, I think of New York. It was their twenty-fifth anniversary uh of uh what's the, the thirty-six chambers? Okay. It was their 25th anniversary of that album, so they were on this tour, and one of them was in Chicago. And somehow, I think Zach's friends with um, the person who put that show together, 
Mm-hmm. So they so they hit Zach up, and then next thing you know, we're all in fucking Chicago in front of t- like five eight thousand people. And you're like you're like five months ago, I was shooting dope, and now I'm like in this <laughs> yeah. cool ass city. Like yeah. Chicago in the summer is beautiful. Yeah, like yeah. you're in this cool city, and you're like, where the fuck am I? You probably never even been to Chicago. No, your mom. That was my first time. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I could imagine. You know, I didn't think you guys were traveling too much. If your mom yeah. was, you know, a drug addict and a single mom, yeah. that doesn't scream world traveler. Yeah. So, you know, you get to travel the country now, travel the fucking yeah. world, see shit, yeah. meet some of your heroes, a bunch of you, yeah. like, and work with them. Not even meet them, yeah. but work with them, too. Yeah. Like, that's a totally different thing where they're picking your brain, and you're like, what, you want my information? Yeah. The the, cra- the craziest thing, it, it's like, like, being able to, like, like, yeah, working with these people, it's it's a dream. But what is what more is more important to me than actually working with people is actually having a relationship. You know, it's like getting getting invited to BAMs, whatever. You know, before he's getting the help that he needs, or or like if CEO needs help. You know, just the other day he needed help with the with his podcast, so I went over there and helped him. You know, it's like, it, or we got invited to go to Pastrana's house in Maryland. You know, and I, I got to film at his house, and like it's so many people who I fucking idolized my yeah whole... to get a phone call for Steve-O to be on that phone like saying he's calling you or yeah. even if it's Scott and you know it means yeah. Steve-O you yeah. know even if it's Scott calling you know what that means yeah you know like, and, and it's it's so fucking wild to me man and it's like, like that's perfect. a great podcast too if anyone's looking for a, a good po- Steve-O Steve-O's wild ride yeah that's a great fucking podcast it's great guy. it's so <laughs> and then like like perfect example you know it's like I grew up listening to Turbo Negro it's a band from Norway and I was such a big fucking fan, dude. And um, and the lead singer, especially the lead singer, his name was Hank, right? And I was the biggest Hank fan. And when I I didn't have Instagram before I got sober, you know. So like when I started doing all this stuff with Zach, I started an Instagram from, from scratch. And a couple of, and I didn't think I, I the, the idea of like going to find all the people who I looked up to like music wise to like go find their Instagrams to follow them, you know that that I didn't even come across my mind. And then all of a sudden, like a year, you know, maybe two years into it, I, I, Hank started following me, and I, I, I almost started crying. And then, and then uh, um, I was like, oh my god, I'm not even following him. Like, what the fuck? So I went follow him real quick. And then I was gonna DM him to be like, yo, dude, I'm a huge fan. Before I, like, I, before I even had the chance to do that, he DM'd me. And he's like, yeah, I'm a fan of yours. And I was just like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You go to your DMs and you see you have one waiting in your request and yeah. you're like, what the fuck? It's exactly. You know, it's like that kind of shit. Just like, that's the reason why I, I know that I can't fuck up. I can't. I, and I'm terrified of losing what I have. I'm. T- that's why it's like the little, because getting sober isn't just putting the drugs and alcohol down. It's the, it's the behaviors. Yeah. That's the, that's the first thing you have to do. Yeah. yeah. We, did, we weren't drug, you know, we weren't, Drugs and alcohol weren't our problem. They were the solutions yeah. to all our problems. So exactly. now we have problems, we have to have new solutions. Exactly, exactly. So it's like it's like the it's like the little behaviors that like lead to that kind of shit. It's like the little white lies or the little like like uh, um, not helping somebody when you know you could. It's yeah. like that, it's like that kind of things that terrifies me. Bro, I couldn't. I had some. I had a guy. He comes to my meetings sometimes for AA in the morning. Um, but then he had to do some time because he missed too many mandatory meetings, so he had to go back in. And then he hit me up, and he's like, hey, man, um, I, mi- I was at over the weekend, over at the weekenders, but I forgot my paper that those days. 
can I come by and have you sign for him? And I, I was like, absolutely not. I was yeah. like, I wasn't at those meetings, dude. Yeah. I was like, I can, if you want to come and have a meeting with me unscheduled, I'll mark it down for an hour yeah. once yeah. it's done. But I'm yeah. not marking you down for them. Exactly. Don't worry. They'll mark you down. Go exactly. back there next weekend. They're going to remember you were there because it was New Year's Eve weekend. And they're going to remember you were there. And they'll mark you down because I know he was full of shit. He wasn't there on January 1st. Fuck it. Like, you barely show up to here at 9 a.m. on time. You tell me yeah. you were there on January yeah. 1st. Yeah, it's, it's little shit like that, dude. It's like, like another perfect example. It's like when, when I, I went back east a few weeks ago and uh, one of my buddies was like, hey, man, uh, could, you pee, could you pee in a cup for my buddy? Uh, um, because he, he, he's on probation and he starts smoking weed again and like he needs clean pee. And, all, and like at first I was like, yeah, it's fine. And then, like, and then I started thinking about it. I was like, you know, you know what? I can't do that, you know, because one, it's like kind of enabling him to keep doing that, you know. And two, it's like that, like I'm manip- I'm helping him manipulate the system, and like I just can't be a part of shit like that. Like as corny as it as it is, or or I, I have to walk like a straight and narrow line. I, I fucking have to because so nobody sad. would even know that you did that, but you. But then but, the yeah. problem is we're addicts, and then we get into our heads, and then. Yeah. The relapse starts in our heads. Yeah. yeah and then yeah, we yeah. talk ourselves and we're like, oh, I was dumb. I shouldn't have did that. And then next thing you know, you're doing this and you're doing that. Yeah. And all the behaviors from the addiction, like you said, come out. Yeah. And next thing you know, you're like, well, I might as well get a high because I'm doing everything else yeah. the same now. Yeah, exactly, man. It's like this, the second I have to walk that straight and narrow because the second I take one step off, my brain just starts going, boo, 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 boo. Or if I go this way, it's boom, 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 boom. You know, and it's just like, who yeah. knows? Who, who knows what's going to happen? Maybe I won't fucking relapse from these behaviors. Maybe, maybe I can have one fucking beer here and there. Maybe I can have a fucking glass of wine with some steak. You know, maybe I can, and it won't fuck with me. Maybe, but I don't want to fucking risk it. Yeah, it's not worth I the maybe. It's, it's not worth the maybe. Yeah, no fucking way. You know, like, I know that I love getting loaded so fucking much that... And trust me, yeah, once you feel that warmth of alcohol again, it's the rap, bro. It's like, all yeah. right. You know. alcohol, alcohol wasn't even my thing, you know? Yeah. But it's like, like that's why that's why I was like, oh, maybe I could have a fucking glass of wine. You know, maybe maybe when, I, when I'm on a fucking plane, maybe I can drink some fucking some, some shots. You know what I mean? But it's like, I'm not willing to risk what I have just just for that, for fucking a couple hours worth of fucking warmth. Yeah, you know, like... Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad you're doing what you're doing, bro. And obviously, you know, it, it shows and how excited you are to talk about what you're doing, you know, and talk about, you know, where you've been and how you got to where you are now. Like a lot of people struggle. A lot of people are being brokered. Brokered means that people are putting you in rehab and getting paid for it. And then you leave and it doesn't matter because I already got paid. Yeah. Like, you know, and it happens and, you know, we're treated like fucking dollar signs when we're addicts. Yeah. So you're doing the fucking deal, bro. You're living a life beyond your wildest dreams. I see a schedule on your mirror behind you. You know, you got yeah. shit going yeah. on, bro. You have a lot of things, you know, keeping you busy that yeah. you're obsessing over, but they're healthy obsessions that are feeding your soul yeah. and not healthy obsessions that are landing you in a hospital with tubes on your throat. Exactly. So thanks so much, dude. I appreciate it. Um, I'll, any links you want to share with me, I'll put them in the bio or description, uh, whether just, you're listening uh, or watching. Just follow follow my Instagram at Skinny Vinny. Um, we I, I have some projects coming up um, in the very near future. Um, one should be released in the next few months. Um, I can't really say much about them, but just uh, there's some there's some projects that are coming out that I'm really excited about. And um, yeah, just uh, keep fighting the good fight. That's fucking awesome, man.